WBNE. Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. And welcome to the podcast where we explore characters, themes, and symbolism in pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from the volcano Ayjafjallajökull in Iceland. Ayjafjallajökull? Yeah. Because today we're discussing comedians in serious movie roles. Casey, do you think our listeners want to hear how our house is still haunted? I think they do. So the other night we were just eating dinner (laughs) in the kitchen and off the kitchen is the playroom where all the toys are. And we have this one like Fisher Price dollhouse that of course makes all kinds of sounds and different sayings for like different parts of the house. And we were winding down dinner and we were telling the kids, okay, let's go get ready for bath time. And the little Fisher Price house out of nowhere, no one's in that room near it, just says, time for a bubble bath. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, horrifying the creepiest timing and it's such a cheery voice that it says it into like a mom time for a bubble bath (laughs) and it happened literally moments after we were like after dinner we're taking baths (laughs) so yes our house is still mildly haunted in fact the creepy upstairs tried to kill me last week um tried to cut off my finger so there's a user error (laughs) no i blame the house there's like a metal cabinet it's like a wardrobe um and Takes i you to Narnia. was putting something in there and it tried to cut my finger off so i'm okay did cut a big old chunk out of your finger it was though. a large chunk out of my <laughs> finger yes <laughs> and bled for quite some time it was yeah but because it wasn't just like a gash it wasn't like stitches right i don't know it was big though yep i suppose they could do stitches on something that big Mm-hmm. Yep. So now I'm mildly haunted. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> yes. It transfers to you. <laughs> what if I were to say I think you've always been mildly haunted? That's probably accurate. By the ghost of George Lucas. <laughs> Even he's though not he's dead. not yet dead. <laughs> That's how <laughs> haunted it is. <laughs> it's pre-death haunting? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> it's like time travel plus horror? Yes. It's fantastic. I'd he's, watch that. He's learned how to use the force to haunt people. Before his death. Before his death. And then especially after his death, he'll just go top notch. You're saying that George Lucas and I have a force bond? Yes. We've touched hands across <laughs> across distances of planets. Mm-hmm. You've thrown some or at least snow California. at each other through the force. Snow. You know, like in the movies. They don't have a snowball fight. Did I miss that scene? <laughs> yeah. When do Ben do Solo know? and Ray have a snowball, snowball fight? Snowball fight, yep. When? I'm just saying. He's in the snowy place. and What snow? Who is? Ben, in The Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Kylo Ren. Okay. Is on the place where Zori Bliss is. What's the name of that planet? Kajimi. Kajimi. Uh-huh. Yes. And they have that. And she's in his, his quarters. And there's like that moment across the force. Mm-hmm. And then they have and, a snowball fight. And there's like something like snow falling between them or something. There's snow on down on Kajimi. Yeah. Right. There's snow on Kajimi. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And some red berries yes. of some kind. Maybe that's it. The red berries fall into the snow mm-hmm. across the force. As does the Vader helmet. Yes. Right. Anyways. Anyways. And then they had a snowball fight and you missed that part. Nothing about Star Wars, which. You brought up George Lucas, so this one's on you. Because <laughs> today's right. episode has nothing to do with Star Wars. Today we're talking about comedians in serious movie roles, or semi-serious. I, I hesitate to call these movies that we're going to talk about serious necessarily, but they're also not knee-slapping funny. Do kids still use that phrase, knee-slapping? I don't think it's been used for some time. <laughs> Since the 1920s, probably. Exactly. <laughs> they're all movies that... I think if you look them up, they usually call them like a dramedy. Yeah, yeah. So they they fit more into that mold. Personally, I like to think of them as high comedy. Okay. Like if there's a high fantasy genre that's mm-hmm. like top notch, best of the best, you know, really lofty goals mm-hmm. of fantasy. That's right. what this is, but comedy versions. I'm I'm coining it right now. Yeah. High comedy. But we're talking about three movies in particular that are three of our favorites: The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Stranger Than Fiction, and Dan in Real Life, which are all um, headlined. They're all starring comedians in slightly more serious roles than their usual. Um, Although at this point, Steve Carell has done a lot of different things. Actually, all three of them have. But 
And they I feel all like when started these, as comedians. Yeah, and when all these movies came out, I feel like those actors had done less of the more serious movies. And, and really, it's just an excuse for us to talk about these three because we love them. They're three of our most watched movies in our house. Yeah, we watch them often. They're very rewatchable to us. If you haven't seen them, we'll try to not be too spoilery. But we highly recommend finding a way to watch them. Yeah, before we dive in, let's give a little synopsis of each. Okay. Where, where are we starting? Which one? You can start with Walter Mitty. Okay, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Fantastic movie. Based on a old... Short story. Short story. It's just printed in The New Yorker. And then it was made into a movie with... Uh, Danny Kaye. Danny Kaye. Thank you. Who's the best friend buddy in white christmas buddy buddy and uh yes and (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's an underrated movie for you casey which buddy buddy real buddy buddy what's that movie (laughs) now uh, the wedding planner blanked for a second there i could tell you were blanking because i know you really well and so that's why i was putting (laughs) you you know what my blank face looks like is that you're telling me (laughs) (laughs) yes um Uh, it's like it's like Ben's uh, stupid face on Parks and Rec. That's what mine looks like. I think like. that's multiple episodes you've talked about Ben's stupid face. Just love his stupid face. Um, yeah, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. So it was made in 2013 with Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller directed it. Maybe he wrote it. I can't remember now. I think he co-wrote. Um, but he definitely directed it. I think this was his directorial debut as well. No, he did. He helped with the writing because the other writer who worked on it was his dad was the writer of the original screenplay so the other writer's dad uh-huh. not ben stiller's dad not jerry right. stiller I was yeah no sorry no you're fine i'm just yeah working it out in my brain um, right now okay. i can't remember the name but i was just sure. reading about that but anyway so walter Mitty. um what do you want to say about walter he's kind of an ordinary dude works at time time magazine no life magazine that's important <laughs> it's kind of an important part of the movie <laughs> that he works at Life magazine. Um, and the magazine is on the way out. They're being A lot of people are being laid off as the company goes online. And he lives his life sort of um, in daydream. He daydreams a lot. But his you know because his life is so mundane, he's, he's always daydreaming, um, often about adventures or romance, that kind of a thing. And yeah, to, he works as a negative asset manager. So in the photography department for the magazine he helps um, get the negatives ready to be printed for the magazine he loses a negative and goes on this great adventure to find it and kind of you know seizes the day and finds his inner courage and yeah i won't say where it where it goes from there but it's a really beautifully shot film like just because yeah what do you want to say about it is really beautifully shot especially when they go different places around the world like i'm always like man i want to yeah i want to be there right he goes to greenland and iceland and then he goes to the himalayas yeah just awesome sweeping peter jackson lord of the rings-esque shots of it's really like a road movie as well as a bit of a mystery he's trying to solve a mystery of um finding this person that he's looking for that uh finding the photographer the music's really good fantastic music it's really great a lot of jose gonga Jose Gonzalez. Yeah, he was like a one of the... Um, some Arcade Fire in there. There is some Arcade Fire, which is always great. Yes. Still the only rock concert I've been to. <laughs> we can talk concert. about that in our bonus episode, Tease. Um, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Valerie, what else do you have to say about Walter Mitty? You know, I love about Walter Mitty is because he leads a normal life, he also... He dreams really big, though. He wants something that's less everyday and less common. And I think we all kind of feel that way. Like, we all want... We all dream of something a little more grand. You know, Casey, yeah. of what grand things do you dream? Space. Space. That is a big one. You know, it's funny. As I thought that, I was like, everybody dreams of bigger things. And then I was like, what do I dream of that's bigger? And I was like, I honestly don't know. I've always been a big dreamer. Growing up, I thought I was going to be an NBA basketball player up until teenage years. That dream kind of shifted and changed, but um, I've always had lofty, lofty dreams. Yeah, I'd love to go to space. Let's do it. Except you don't want to. I just don't see the desire. I've always been a very contented person. Like I'm usually just happy wherever I am. And so I feel like when I think of my biggest dreams, I'm like, I don't know, a day alone to do whatever I want. That sounds pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the same way. I have these big lofty grand dreams, but I'm a bit like Walter Mitty in that I don't 
always you don't actually take steps act on them, to yeah. get to the I'm daydreaming dreams. because I'm not living that life. Mm-hmm. You know, and the move that movie is all about how those daydreams lessen the more adventurous he becomes. Exactly. Um, which we'll talk about a little bit more, but do we want to jump to one of the other movies? Yes. And obviously we're coming back to these. These are just this is just our quick synopsis and then we're going to talk about all three of them together. Exactly. Let's talk about Dan in real life. So Dan is Steve Carell. Played by Steve Carell, and he is a widower. Weird word. He is a widower, a dad. Of, so he's got three girls, and he's a single dad now. And his daughters range from ages 16, because she's learning how to drive. That becomes important, to she's in the third grade. <laughs> and uh, so he's got the three daughters, and they're going to a family trip in nowhere somewhere on the eastern coast looks like rhode island or something but i've never yeah, been to the, the east coast man says that doesn't he? oh that's welcome right to he rhode says island. welcome to rhode island it's yeah. true so rhode island so is the northeast yeah yes and they're going to a family house uh where they meet up with dan's parents and his siblings and all the cousins so it's like a family reunion type feeling yeah and then he happens to go into the local town and he meets this cute lady at a bookshop and he you know is kind of interested and he they exchange numbers and and they have like a really good conversation they really do they've got some places. deep connections yeah. there and and then the, he gets back to the family house and his brother's like hey let me introduce you to my girlfriend and the girlfriend is the woman who he just met at the bookshop mm-hmm. and so it intertwines you know all of the family relations with his their budding feelings for each other and and yet him not wanting to act on that because it's his brother. And so all of that family chaos ensues. Yeah, a lot of miscommunication that leads to more and more drama, but not in an annoying way, in a fun, fun, romantic way. And the thing I love about Dan in real life is how it just feels like a real family. It seems like they just let the actors improv a little bit or just say what they want. And it just felt, it feels, it feels very real. All the dialogue feels very real. It's just a very well-written movie i think in terms of the dialogue and the the character dynamics which makes it a lot of fun i agree and coming from a big family myself i feel like i relate to their family when when my family all gets together it feels similar people are kind of bumping elbows or there's a horde of people in the kitchen or they're playing silly games or they have family traditions of whoever finishes the crossword puzzle first boys versus girls the losers have to do the dishes that night right. or, um just fun family connections and and traditions. I mean, we had all of my family come up this last summer um, because the house that we're living in was my grandparents' home. Anyway, so it's like a family home. And we had them all come up and we had a big family reunion. And it felt like that to me. It felt like there were some toes being stepped on and some people being squished in weird places and uh, you know, sleeping on couches and whatever, but then there was also a cute girl at the bookstore that you met. <laughs> no, but but there was also you know lots of laughing and teasing each other. My family loves to tease, and I think one of the things I love about this movie is that the comedy feels real and funny. It feels like things that my family would actually say to each other in a funny way. Right. Or it feels like things we would say and think were funny. For example, I think of one of the sister sister-in-laws, I think. Her husband's like, "Hey, Dan met a girl. How soon can he till he can ask her out?" And she's like, "Oh, I don't know. I haven't been single in years." <laughs> like it's just a very funny dry humor. Yeah. Um and it's I all like it. situational familiar humor versus uh, like goofy. It's not a goofy comedy and it's not. Um, there are a few physical comedy moments. Yeah. But they never feel over the top or slapstick. Right. And yeah, and overall, Dan is the most serious of all the characters versus prior to that, Steve Carell had played, hadn't played a lot of characters like that, which is why I really love Dan in real life. Right. Mostly you think of him as Michael Scott. Right. And this is such a different role for right. him. Or movies like Get Smart and those kinds of things where he was being goofy or even mm-hmm. like Anchorman. He's like stupid funny. Um, but this is very different from that. The third one we want to talk about is Stranger Than Fiction. Yes. I love this movie. So good. Two words. Emma Thompson. <laughs> That's all you need to know. And you should go watch it. <laughs> Agreed. So yeah, this one's starring Will Ferrell, who works as a tax auditor. 
and he starts to just like the literally most literal most boring job right. in the world you can think of any job as be the most boring job tax auditor accountant for the accountants yeah that too (laughs) like ben speaking of ben wyatt so yeah will ferrell's character harold crick he works at he does have a great name um yes harold crick he works at the um he's a tax auditor at the irs and he starts to hear a woman narrating his life he hears the narrator of the movie which is just so fun right (laughs) and uh it this one's a little more um yeah this one's a little more magical realism for sure um, versus the other ones are more real life based in reality. And this one doesn't really explain necessarily how all that magic stuff is working, which is kind of what makes it magical realism. It's just sort of accepted, but oh, it's so in good. In some ways, I love that when he hears the voice, eventually he goes to the psychiatrist and he's like, I'm hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's schizophrenia. <laughs> and he's like, no, because it's somebody who's narrating my life but in a much better voice with a bigger vocabulary right. or something like that. like it. <laughs> and so he asked the psychiatrist, uh, you know, what if this wasn't schizophrenia and it was a real narrator, what would you suggest? And she suggests that he talks to someone who knows about literature. And so he goes to Dustin Hoffman's character, who's a professor of literature, and he kind of helps him figure out, well, let's find out what kind of story you're in. Is this a tragedy or a comedy? Um, and meanwhile, he's been auditing a woman who owns a bakery and a Pascal, and uh, he's falling in love with her. Played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes. Love her. Yeah. It's a great movie. and It's it, a fantastic and, and, cast. And like these other ones, it's got funny moments, but it um, goes to very serious places. Not like dark serious, just real serious. Although I would say that Stranger Than Fiction is a little darker than the other two. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Because he's trying to figure out the reason why he wants to go. I don't think this is spoilery. The reason he wants to find the author mm-hmm. is because she says, "Little did he know, little did he know that that one insignificant seemingly choice, innocuous, yes, or that's other, right, yeah. seemingly innocuous thing, would lead to his imminent death. Imminent death. And so he freaks out. He's like, "Oh wait, I'm gonna die." <laughs> right. And up to that point, she's been accurate. The voice has been accurate about everything, so he knows he can trust this narrator. So yeah, he's trying to figure out. He's get trying to, the to solve author, that mystery. Yeah. Figure out who she is, and then get her to not kill him off in her book. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is a little darker. I also feel like this one's a little more um, sarcastic in its tone. Mm. All the characters, which is a kind of humor that I enjoy. So yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. All right. So there's a, a brief synopsis of all three. Tried not to spoil it if you haven't seen them. And we're going to dive into sort of their First connected tissue. if you tissue. haven't seen them, you should go see them all. Yes, absolutely. But also, I don't know if any of them are streaming anywhere because they're all underrated films. They are underrated. And they're also probably my favorite movies of each of these three actors. I agree. That's one of the things that draws me to these movies is the contrast between I don't normally like these three actors. Mm. I don't dislike them, but... Eight out of their ten movies, I'm not going to enjoy. Yeah. I have zero desire to see. They're more over the top or crude humor or things that I'm just, isn't right. my cup of tea. But I love all three of them in these films, which is interesting because in my mind, before seeing these films, it was like, well, I'm just not really a Ben Stiller fan. Like, yeah. I was, don't care for Zoolander, so I don't know if I'm going to like him in this. Yeah. But then they play a role that's completely different from things that they've previously played it stands apart from their other works and it just makes me love them right well i think part of it is that comedy is all about timing most of what's funny is just down to the timing of it and so if if comedians are masters of timing acting is about timing as well and so if you can do comedy you know as they've they i don't know who first said it but many people have said that it's much easier for comedians to do drama than for dramatists to do comedy. It's just something about that that mastery of timing, I think. Yeah, I had that same thought, that their timing is just impeccable. They make it so much more funny, just those subtle moments throughout each of their films. Yeah. It's hard to... I mean, you have to watch them to see it. Right. So you can't really explain that. Plus, I like, I like serious comedy more than I like goofy comedy. Like smart or witty or clever or mm-hmm. dry humor much more than i would gravitate toward slapstick or goofy or right and it makes these comedies feel more relatable to real life 
versus other comedies are over the top. They're not right. something that's going to happen. And they, they poke fun at real life in a comedic way. Yeah. And they make real life a little fantastic. Right. So I, I like the blend of it being possible, but also just a funny view of real life. So what what other reasons do you think that you um, or, uh, or we gravitate toward these, these types of movies, these semi-serious, somewhat funny, sort of um, thematically true-to-life kind of movies? Any other ideas? I think we mentioned a little bit before, but they're rewatchable. The humor is on point. It's comedic. The timing is great. The little lines will come back to you as they're saying them and you're like oh that's such a good line Mm -hmm. like the writers of these movies are incredible (laughs) because i just want to quote them nonstop because they're not just funny lines but they're well well written lines another reason i just thought of this kind of going back to what we talked about too i think these types of comedies or dramedies or whatever you want to call them um, slightly more serious comedies they're much more rare nowadays they don't really make a lot of movies like this sort of that PG or sort of maybe just barely PG-13 type of comedy. It's, I feel like nowadays it's, there's a lot of extremes. It's either a movie made for kids or like a rated R comedy other than like Pixar, but Pixar is sort of the exception to that. But Right, but as far um, as adult comedies yeah. and as like adult as in geared towards adult. Right. Not adult in content. Not adult as a genre or whatever. Yeah. 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 I like that they are all romantic comedies in some way. I mm. wouldn't classify any of them as a rom-com necessarily. Maybe Dan in real life. Maybe Dan in real life a little bit more. that's much more the focus. Right. Whereas the other two... More focus on the... Uh, yeah, I feel like stick the, with the main character. The romance is more secondary, but in Dan in real life, that's sort of the main mm-hmm. plot. But I love a good romance. Right. And so I, that draws me to them as well, that there's a love story in there. Yeah. Plus, having a love story in there always enables the movie to have more uh, funny moments. There's always Mm. miscommunications between people trying to get together. And I think that feels relatable too. Like when you really like someone, but you're not sure how to first engage them and um, get to know them. Because yeah, all three of them are somewhat awkward with women. Dan's awkward just because he hasn't... Terribly awkward. Dan hasn't had to (laughs) deal with it because his, you know, he was married for quite a few years his daughters are teenagers right. and then he hasn't his, dated wife, for a long time. his wife passed away and so he hasn't sort of yeah he hasn't been dating and so he's awkward in that sense and now he has to figure out how to date with three girls dan's whole thing is well i'm just not going to focus on myself and i think that's a theme of that movie is you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people absolutely um, dan thinks he has his life together and everything's fine He's making it work. His life's a little busy, but he's fine. Everything's fine. And then as soon as this one person comes into his life and he feels feelings that he hasn't felt for a long time, everything else starts to unravel in his perfectly fine world. Um, All these things that he's been kind of holding on to have come to the surface and things start to fall apart for him a little bit. As I was saying before, Dan is learning that... In order to take care of other people, you also need to take care of yourself. But I, th- I think that's true for Walter and for Harold in that both Walter and Harold aren't really living their f- lives to the fullest. Um, and Dan. And Dan, yeah. But I'm just saying all three of them have that mm-hmm. in common, that they have yes. to learn learn that lesson. Um, and I think that's probably our main sort of statement for this episode is that really all the themes that they have individually can all pretty much apply to each other. Um, and going back to it they're all true to real life they're all true themes in that sense like they're relatable and um valuable absolutely we all we all often get stuck in just the tediousness of life like it's a common thing to go to work and cook your dinner and go to sleep and repeat the next day or in my case take care of your children all day and it it feels like this endless cycle which is funny because one of the other movies that we mentioned um where we wanted to bring up as like an honorable mention was yeah. the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. That's another one in which a comedian, Jim Carrey, is playing a more serious role. And his life is definitely that. That's what he's trying to break out of that same mold of just yeah. the, the tedium, the sameness of everyday life. Right. They're all like that movie I see is almost a prison break movie. And 
but these other three are are similar in that way mm-hmm. maybe more metaphorically but but yeah i'll try to break out of that ordinary life and i think that's what makes them that's what make these mo- makes these movies relatable is that these are all super ordinary guys with very ordinary jobs and most people most of us are not going to have super extraordinary lives in terms of like careers and in terms of what is sold to us from a young age as being extraordinary, being those jobs that get you a lot of fame and fortune, those kinds of things. Most of us aren't going to have that. Correct. Most of us are going to have You mundane, mean I'm never going to win? Like who wants to be a millionaire? I'm say like Dancing with the Stars or something. <laughs> that too. Let me tell you. The Great British Baking Show. Yes. That's what you'll win. That's what I wish I'd win. And to move to England first. Because we wish we were British. Yes. And that you could win that show. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. I like that each of these movies kind of give us a mold for how to break out of our old ordinary lives too, Casey. If you're feeling like your life is tedious, one, try and find love. By a poetry falcon. <laughs> yes. Might be. Remember how I wrote a, I wrote a poem named Poetry Falcon? I Before forgot about this that. movie? No, or, it was, okay. the title of the <laughs> poem was Walter based Mitty. on this movie. It's very much a seize the day kind of poem. Okay. Anyways, I don't write poetry regularly this <laughs> one-time thing and um we should both do it more i used to write i mean i used to be a poet i would say but i agree i don't really do it as much that's what our bonus content could be casey we share original <laughs> poems okay it's <laughs> <laughs> another hint um but so one try and find love that wasn't any of their like main goals but when they find love things automatically become more interesting when you mm. find somebody else who values you, it always is a little easier to see yourself through their eyes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you, I mean, self-love is also, of right, course, right. very important. Um, but I think once you yeah, feel comfortable in yourself, uh, you're just more content and happy. Also, travel, go somewhere new, a new experience, a new place always helps people break out of their molds and see things differently. Um, what else would you say is in the list, Casey? Well, they're all very, all three are very much like Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. Correct. I, I think all Robin three, Williams, yes. All three of these characters, there's another. <gasps> there's another serious <laughs> comedian, or comedian in a We should have included that role. one. That's one of my favorites is Dead Poets Society. It is a fantastic one. But in these other three, they are our main characters. I feel um, like his is a little more side. That's Like true. I also thought of um, Legend of Bagger Vance. Mm-hmm is one of my favorite movies and it has will smith playing a more serious role but he's also more of a a side character than the main character yes honorable mentions legend of bagger vance and dead poet society but i was going to say all three of these so walter harold and dan they're all dying in a way harold is literally dying because yes well he's imminent death imminent death He's also metaphorically because he's not, again, not living life to the fullest. But then Dan and Walter especially are both metaphorically dying in the sense that they're not living their lives. Right. I would say Dan is mostly living his life for his daughters at this point. Yeah. He's kind of lost his own. His own life. He's lost his self, so yes. to speak. Which is probably true of most parents in general. We always give up a bit of ourselves to be a parent to our children. For sure. I mean, that's a huge undertaking is to find that balance. I think as a parent, in a lot of ways, give yourself, it pushes but not you, so much of yourself that you lose yourself kind of a thing. Right. I agree. But yeah, in a lot of ways it pushes you. Like for example, with Dan, he, he writes like a parental advice column. Like people write in and ask him parenting questions. Then he responds and answers, which is so funny because he doesn't have it all figured out, but he's still giving advice. Right. Um, and I think having children for me personally, personally, if you'd have asked me before we had kids, um, I would have said, I'm not a creative person. (laughs) I 100% would have said like, I'm, I'm not creative. I don't, I mean, I, I probably like baked at that point. I did like to do that. And like, but I only sewed a little bit and, and I didn't, you know, draw or any, you know, like there were no creative outlets that I really had. But and now you're the most creative person on the planet Earth. <laughs> I don't know about that. But you're always saying that I'm the most creative person that you know. Yeah. And yeah. I do have a ton of creative hobbies because being home with my children has made me want something of my own, something that I can do at home right. around the kids, but still be my own thing and have it be like a creative outlet, like something that's 
just for me. And so yeah, now I sew and knit and I like to draw and I love to hand letter and I like to bake fancy desserts and there's and cake decorating and all these things that I you want to learn too. Oh, I podcast. <laughs> Look at that creative endeavor. I read copious amounts, although I've always been a You've big reader. <laughs> yeah, so that idea of finding something in your own life to make it not tedious. Well, and going back to something you said before about how children might push characters like Dan's children push him. They absolutely. Dan do. wouldn't have had the courage, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but his one, his middle daughter, that's super romantic and like super um, so passionate dramatic. is what, how, yeah, Passion dramatic and passionate. Yeah. <laughs> and without her in his life, um, certain things wouldn't happen toward the end of the movie. She sort of pushes him in the direction he needs to to go as well and that wouldn't have happened if she wasn't in his life right from the very beginning she's telling him that he needs to get a life yeah. like <laughs> and she says it pejoratively right. but also it's true yeah <laughs> and i love that the title of the movie alone is dan in real life mm-hmm. he's been living this uh kind of pretend life of yeah. like he's in his own house and head and he's just there for his daughters and he hasn't been living a real life but in this movie, he finds real life again. What other themes of any of these movies individually might apply to all three or two of them? I don't know if I'd call it a theme, but at least a, a similarity between the three is that I mentioned that none of these actors are like my favorite actors by any means. And I certainly wouldn't cast any of them as the romantic lead in mm. a movie. None of them are classically handsome. Um, they are just kind of goofy generally. Yeah. Uh, they're not your classic romantic comedy, you know, romantic lead. Um, yet in all of these, they're charming or they have attractive qualities. Like they mm-hmm. know how to sing or skateboard or they're <laughs> yeah. caring people. They're thoughtful. Um, you know, they bring you flowers, Casey. Yeah, they're all imperfect, but they're all pretty good guys. I, none of them are... Um, irredeemable in any way even though they start off they start off more lonely and not living life but not necessarily bad they're not bad dudes in any, in any way i will also say that all the leading women are out of their league as far as like even if you just come down to like looks mm. like <laughs> well i think that's a casting thing i think that's important to mention because you mentioned how none of these guys are classically handsome the sad truth of hollywood is it's because they're men that they can still be a lead. They can be comedians and be a lead. That doesn't happen super often for women, especially women that aren't classically, um, you know, magazine cover that stereotype of Hollywood beauty. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a an unfortunate thing in Hollywood that we should definitely mention and acknowledge. Although I do think it's also true to life that funny guys often have beautiful wives. <laughs> like. <laughs> I remember one teacher in high school, and he was so funny, but he was kind of a goofy looking guy. Mm-hmm. And his wife was like gorgeous. Like, <laughs> I remember meeting her once and being like, Really? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like Jerry and. Yes, exactly. Jerry and Millicent Gurgich. Millicent's his daughter. Oh, Millicent's it? the daughter. Jerry and. Gail. Gail. Yeah. Which is great because her name Brinkley. is his name's actually Gary. So Gary and Gail Gergich. <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. I didn't either. <laughs> I do think you're describing us a little bit, though. You are very handsome. <laughs> are you fishing over there? Yes, I am. Stop playing footsie with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who put us on opposite sides of the desk. <laughs> Just so I could give uninterrupted eye contact. Let the record show that Valerie is raising her eyebrows up and down in a creepy manner. <laughs> And doing something strange with her teeth, face, lips. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. Uh, kissy faces. You were not doing a kissy face. I was, it was not. Like it was weird... far more creepy. It was more mouth of Sauron. It was Sauron like an awkward smile. A... It was mouth of Sauron. Uh, <laughs> Old gray beard. Old gray beard. <laughs> Your mouth of Sauron sounds like Sean Connery. Okay, so. Um, Side tangent, Casey. Yeah. Just a funny story. Also Star Wars related. Uh-oh. I'm bringing it back. Um, to Star Wars always. Now it's me too, Casey. <laughs> because yesterday was Star Wars Day and we watched an insane amount of Star Wars movies yesterday with yes, the children. As we were recording yesterday. Yeah. So. Yes. So May the 4th. Monday. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we um, were watching Attack of the Clones. 
because that's our oldest son's favorite Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. And right before they enter the arena and Padme and Anakin kiss, yes, our four-year-old daughter, I look over at her, and as they're kissing, she has her head tilted to the side <laughs> and is doing kissing <laughs> lips like she's practicing. I missed that. Where was I? I don't know. <laughs> I think you'd walked out of the room. for. Oh, I think you were putting the baby down for a nap. And at that point, I'd seen six hours of Star Wars. We watched. We, it was I sort of impromptu. An insane amount of Star Wars. I, I was just gonna watch one and then go to work from home, but I decided to take the day off because it was Star Wars Day and because I'm good on the actual workload. Anyways, long story short, we sort of had an impromptu marathon of the original trilogy, and then Plus we had a little clones. bit of break, and our son really wanted to watch Attack of the Clones and. Normally, we definitely don't have that much screen time, but um, it was Star Wars Day. So I was like, that's fine, but I didn't want to. I couldn't. I needed a break. So I didn't really watch much of Attack of the Clones with you. Although you did, because you've been saying you need you wanted to watch the prequels. Right. Because you've been watching Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Um, but yes, her but that's funny. I kissy just, I lips that. and tilted head like she was practicing <laughs> along with them was hilarious. <laughs> to be fair, our kids don't see a lot of romantic films. Like, I mean, they're young enough. They're still watching cartoons and family movies and Muji Muji. <laughs> <laughs> She's also been saying That's lately. That's a made up romantic word. I, right. I don't know where it came from, but she chases her brother around the house saying Muji Muji as she tries to kiss him. And he, of course, runs away and tells her no. And so, of course, it's her new favorite game because... Because she's mean to him. <laughs> because she cheeses him and loves to get a rise out yeah, of him. Yeah, we're trying to trying to get a working on handle it. on that one eventually they'll be kind to each other eventually they'll right. go to family reunions like dan in real life and get yeah, along and have fun to dan in real life dan in real life is sort of about how life is surprising that's the a message of the film prepare to be surprised prepare to be surprised which is also definitely a theme of of walter mitty and or you could say because i, I think so yeah uh, what would be more surprising than having a narrator <laughs> right. all of a sudden start narrating your life and you realize you're going to die imminently? Right. Or jumping out of a helicopter into shark-infested waters like in Walter Mitty. They're porpoises. <laughs> That's pretty surprising. So Walter Mitty. I love the theme in Walter Mitty that the mundane is beautiful. Out of context, spoiler, you won't know what I'm talking about. But Walter is the ghost cat. As he's told, beautiful things don't ask to be seen. And that really describes Walter. I love that quote so much. Yeah. And and it's true of the character played by, what's his name? Sean Penn. The photographer? Yeah. yeah the, pho for the, the photographer. Mm -hmm. He The pictures that you see from him are often like a curve of a piano. Right. Somebody's ring on a finger. Like just very, very mundane. mundane. But the way he shoots the photography is beautiful. But then he also goes and finds you know, snow leopards that are incredibly rare and hard to photograph. Right. So he has this balance between an appreciation for anything beautiful and that can be the simple or right. it could be the incredible. I was going to say, speaking of balance, um, Walter really finds that balance too. Of he, He's kind of a normal mundane guy, but he also finds this adventure, but he's also yearning for romantic connection just like a lot of people are. Um so yeah, I think it, that movie's all about this balance between the mundane and the adventurous, and both of them are beautiful, and even that the mundane can be adventurous. And that definitely applies to Dan in real life and to um, Harold Crick in Stranger Than Fiction. Again, both being very ordinary, normal men, but finding their own adventure in life. Right, I love that the professor of literature that he talks to in Stranger Than Fiction, uh, that Harold talks to, he tells them that he should keep track and figure out whether his life is a tragedy or a comedy. Yes. And so he carries around a little notebook and it has tragedy and comedy written at the top of a little chart and he tallies things that happen and whether it feels like a tragedy right. or a comedy. Which I was going to say, I think a sort of, I think a slightly more hidden theme of that movie because he does do those tallies, but that's sort of forgotten um, halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. But I think that, Stranger Than Fiction really is about how life is both comedy and tragedy. It's never one. Because that, that is that movie. It's a, it's comedic, but it also goes to um, tragic, or at least almost tragic places. Like we said, it it goes dark, not in the sense that it's a, it's not a depressing movie at all. I don't want to turn people off to Stranger Than Fiction because it's not depressing, but, but it does address that life is tragic. 
as well as comedic. It's never just one or the other. Um, exactly. It's about that same balance like you were talking about with Walter Mitty. Yeah. Because he goes on these grand adventures, but he also learns how to lead a happy normal life versus a tedious and boring normal life. I think as humans, we tend to wish our life was more grand in some way. Yeah. That we went on space adventures and that every day was just thrilling. But we're all, um, we all wish it could be the other way around, that we had more um, adventure and less tedium. Yeah. But I think the beauty is in finding the balance between the two. Because yeah. if your life is pretty even keeled, then when something exciting happens, I think you appreciate it more. And Dan, uh, Steve Carell's character, he he starts the movie, he's already experienced that tragedy. True. And that movie is about him finding the comedy or you know comedy in the broad sense of happiness or a happy ending. Shakespearean sense. Yes, yeah, in the old sense of the word comedy. So yeah, I think that applies to all of them, that life is both comedy and tragedy. Oh, and, and back to Stranger Than Fiction real quick. And also back to that theme of ordinary life being beautiful. You know, we don't have to be king of the lanes, as they say, king of the lanes of the local bowling alley or king of the trolls. Are you relieved to find out you're not a golem? Yes, I'm relieved to know I'm not a golem. That's one of our most quoted lines in our house, Casey. That scene is <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in all of anything. So where good. He's just asking him random literature questions to find out what kind of story he's in. Uh, yes. Um, Dustin Hoffman's character to Will Ferrell's character. Again, that's another spot partway through the movie. We don't really go back to that, but um, you don't have to be king of anything to have an adventurous life, to have a beautiful life. It's, right. um, again, or, there's beauty in the mundane. Or even just the idea that you don't have to be king of a country, but you could be king of the local bowling lanes. Right, that's like, true. That might be a little mediocre compared king to lanes. king of a country, but... <laughs> I just love Will Ferrell's delivery, king uh -huh. of the lanes. <laughs> Once again, their timing, all three of them, their timing in these movies is perfect. So good. I also love any story that plays with imagination or addresses imagination or it has a thematic hold with imagination, which Stranger Than Fiction definitely does. It's all about how the imaginary becomes real in a literal sense that this author is dreaming up these stories, but they're also coming true. Um, well, we haven't really talked much about the author, mm -hmm. Emma Thompson's character, who uh, the reason why she hasn't killed off Harold Crick yet, uh, you know, even then her story says, the narrator says imminent death is because she's got writer's block. Yeah. And so throughout the movie, you see these weird, not weird, but, these uh, imaginative moments where she's imagining something happening because she's trying to think of a way to kill off Harold Crick. She's trying to solve her writer's block. Well, she's like Walter Mitty. I think there's a big connection between her and Walter yes. in that they're both daydreamers. Hers are coming true, but hers are also focused on dying. Whereas mm. Walter's, his, his daydreams start to dissipate because they are coming true in a sense, but his are all about living life. So I like that uh, that contrast between the two of them. Mm -hmm. and um, But then also Harold daydreams a little bit, and part of it's because he keeps hearing the narrator. Um, like I think he would be attracted to Anna, whether or not the narrator, you know, she's not forcing him to be attracted to her. She's just right. narrating she's his attraction. She's explaining that he um, is attracted to her. Yeah. But he's also daydreaming. It's not, in a, um, it's not so in your face as they show it in Walter Mitty, but the two of them are very similar in that sense too. All right, I have one other thought do you have any others i'm good okay i want to close on a on a quote from dan in real life that i think applies to all three of these um when dan first meets marie in the bookshop she's looking for some books and he's pretending to be um a worker an employee of the bookstore because and she asks him excuse me can you help? yeah she thinks he works there yes. um and she's looking for a book and he says well what what are you looking for and she says Something funny might be nice, but not something necessarily big, ha ha ha, laugh out loud funny, and certainly not make fun of other people funny, but certainly something human funny. And if it could sneak up on you, surprise you, well, maybe what I mean is, more importantly, I'm looking to be swept up, and at the same time, not, meaning I want to feel a deep connection to something. And I think that quote perfectly like encapsulates what Dan in real life is, but also what all three of these all are. All three of them are. It 100% applies yeah. to all three of these movies. I love that connection. They're not, they're not like laugh out loud, ha 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 funny always, but they are human funny, like she says. They do sweep you up, but at the same time, I think these movies are underrated because they're 
almost kind of easy to forget about. You know, after they're over, maybe you kind of forget about it. Um, right. I think a lot of you will listen to this and you're like, oh, I haven't watched that in years, you know? <laughs> right. I love that, but but I haven't, yeah, I haven't watched it for a while. Or we watch it because it's on our shelf, but I don't necessarily think of them all the time. But if it, it there is like a particular mood that you and I are in to be swept up, but maybe not, you know, and that's when we watch these movies. Casey counted today because I said, you know, we don't own that many movies. <laughs> and yet these three have made the shelf of movies we want to own. We don't really know if we own don't own that many movies. It's hard to gauge. We need to start a poll because then Casey was like, we own quite a few. I mean, we do own a lot of. But we, we used plenty. to own more. Yeah. But we purged in the ago. name of Marie Kondo. Back when you read her book years and years ago. Absolutely. Um, because there are so many movies that we had on our shelf that we liked, but we never rewatched. Yeah. We didn't love them to the point that they sparked joy just seeing them on the shelf. So we tried to limit to that. And I think it's Whereas better Whereas these three made the cut. Absolutely. They're incredibly rewatchable to us. Yeah. We'd probably watch all three at least once a year. I'd say two or three times even a year. Ooh, maybe. Probably. We watch them a lot. We do. They're some of our top favorite movies. Yeah. And it's because they're high comedy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, let's let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Let us know what uh, what maybe underrated comedies or dramas or dramedies are your favorite or comedians in serious roles that you love. We would love to, to hear your perspective. And also... Tell us how many movies you own. We own 149. Is that what it was? Yep. That's what Casey counted today. So 149. <laughs> is that more, less, average? Yeah, I don't know. Where do we stand? We also want to say thank you to our new patrons, Erica and Grace. Yay! I can't do that siren very well. <laughs> I'm old. I appreciate your attempt. I'm knee slapping old. But thank you, Erica. Slap your knee over there. And no, it will break. (laughs) Thank you, Erica and Grace, for joining us on Patreon. That is, we just, yeah. Anytime it's a new, it's like live Patreon. So thank you so much. And speaking of of Patreon, and we teased it, we are starting a new Patreon tier at the seven dollar level. We are going to start bonus episodes, one monthly bonus episode every month. That was redundant. One monthly bonus episode. Right every now month, we do our podcast every other week, every other Friday, and then we have an interview episode on a Friday. Once a month, yeah. Once a month. So with this will fill in our fourth Friday here. We'd love it if you join us. We're gonna start this next upcoming Friday with our first bonus episode, and we'd love for you to hear it. So yawny. While Valerie's yawning, no, I I'm done. Oh. <laughs> We have a super shout out, Valerie. Our first one. Super shout out. If you want to purchase a super shout out, just head to WBNE.org. At the top corner, there's a little button that says super shout out. You can make a personal shout out to somebody that you love. Um, I don't recommend like a marriage proposal. That's really public. Don't do that. But I don't know. Maybe their future fiance would be really into that. That's. I think that's pressure and I think it's wrong. <laughs> I remember when we started talking about like potential marriage in the future, I mentioned that if you ever proposed <laughs> to me in a public spot, I would say no. So I had to call the stadium and the jumbotron <laughs> exactly. to cool it. No, I, I did not. I was not. I didn't I think you would, but I wanted that to be out there anyway. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I said a public place or in front of our families. Right. Yeah. Because my family is huge. Because so it's basically a public it's pre- place. You're pressuring the person into saying yes. Right. So, Plus um, I think it should be a... I personally think it should be a private moment, but, but everything hey, that you do, you everything barring marriage proposals and anything vulgar, you can do a super shout out. Yeah, we won't be mean, yeah. but otherwise, so we'll head be positive because we're all about the happy beeps. Exactly. <laughs> so, if you want to give a happy beeps yeah. to somebody that you love, and brighten their day. Yeah. Go to wbne.org. Or if you want to promote something that you're working on, that's the place to do it as well. It's Say, I've got site. a new podcast coming out. Yeah, we want to hear about it. Our wonderful listener from Norway, Mats Feruli, he says, Thank you both for everything you do. I absolutely adore this podcast, and I'm always so excited for every new episode. I always have the biggest grin on my face whenever I'm listening, no matter what kind of day I'm having. I literally can't tell you how much this podcast means to me. I'm so grateful for the both of you, and I'm so lucky to know and to get to talk to you both. I love you guys. I hope you're doing well. Thanks, Mats. We are doing well because of that 
You're super so shout sweet. out. That was the superest of shout outs. Thank it you. It really was. The super shout outs don't have to be to us personally. Casey, you know what we forgot to mention? What? In our main part of the episode, hmm. Mots from Norway has reminded me. We talked a little bit about the music. Mm-hmm. Dan in Real Life's album is fantastic. All these movies have really good music. They really do. But Dan in Real Life's is interesting because it's all done by the same singer and his name He's also from Norway, hence the connection to Mats. And Mats will have to let us know how to pronounce his name because in my mind I say Sondra Lerke or Lerche, but I don't know how it's actually pronounced. And who knows, maybe Sondra, his family is, you know, the name comes from somewhere outside of Norway, you know. Also true. That could be a possibility. His name might be another nationality. Anyways, so that was one of the things, because what year did Dan in, Real, Dan in Real Life come out? 2007? Oh, seven maybe? I think it was yeah. 2007. So I had, as a teenager, back in the days of music basically only being on YouTube or found, you know, findable on YouTube. Because iTunes, you could just, like, you could buy songs, but they weren't just, like, there to listen to. Napster is so offended right now that you forgot about Napster. <laughs> that was piracy. Or LimeWire. Um, but YouTube, and I remember somehow stumbling upon Sondra Lerke, and I, like, loved his music, and there were these, like, awful music videos but like the music was great and then when i saw dan in real life i was like i know him i know him just like santa claus and i was very excited i know him. such a hipster moment for me hello from elsewhere is a proud member of wbne visit wbne.org for more fabulous podcasts like that's what i'm talking about where hilarious human mary clay watt discusses a very serious series the Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm talking about follows me, Mary Clay Watt, on my journey through Lord of the Rings for the very first time. Join me each week as I have fans on as guests so we can discuss the books one chapter at a time, and I can share all of my confused and completely inaccurate thoughts. Like this one. And Gimli says, feet, but we cannot eat them as well as walk on them. So was Gimli planning on eating the horses? <laughs> I, I think the implication is they had the supply bags on the horses. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank the Lord. From WBNE, that's what I'm talking about. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. Well, Valerie, this volcano is about to explode and I got to hop on a, Are you an airplane. On a biplane? Yeah, I'm going to jump on the top of a biplane with a tripod strapped to it yep. and take some photos <laughs> but as yeah, one does i can't record it at the same time so naturally on that note happy beeps happy volcanic beeps whoa <laughs> <laughs>